they didn't know that music informatics was a thing. Right, right. They didn't know that immersive sound or how, how to create sound for VR, that was a thing. Now the world starts to open up, and I love that. I love to see their faces just light up. What? You can do this? Thank you for joining us, and welcome to the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This is a mostly bi-monthly show where we dive into the cutting-edge technology behind professional audio products. On this episode, which was recorded at the AES show in New York, Ted and I are joined by Agnieszka Roginska, president of the Audio Engineering Society and professor in music technology at NYU. We'll discuss applied research for mission-critical applications, NYU's research project that has microphones spread throughout New York City to identify specific noise pollution causes, music informatics, and a whole lot more. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm glad to have you here today. Hello. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Before we get started uh, with what you're doing now, tell us a little bit about how you got started in audio and your in your history. So uh, audio, or, or more specifically music, was a, a big part of my life since I can remember, since I was uh, able to walk. Um, I started playing piano at a very young age. And in fact, when going to college, I decided to study music. So I did um, uh, my first degree was in piano performance at McGill University in Montreal. Oh, nice. And while I was there, this was um, a long time ago, while I was there, I discovered the field of um, what was back then called computer applications and music and, and also sound recording. So I got very, very excited about the ability to, to make sounds and, and record sounds. And uh, back then, a lot of it was, uh, most of it was analog. So I was doing a lot of electronic music with loops going around the room and got into digital audio. Did a lot of sound recording while I, while I was at McGill and decided to pursue a master's degree at NYU in, uh, in music technology. Um, again, this was a while ago. And while I was at NYU, I discovered the field of 3D sound. And back when 3D sound meant something completely different than what it does today. We're talking decades ago. I'm not going to age myself. <laughs> uh, and and the, the moment that I discovered the field of 3D audio, I thought, that's it. That's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. And I lived and I breathed and everything was around 3D audio. Back when it was very difficult to make any kind of spatial sound um, uh, in real time because uh, of computational uh, limitations. Um, and so I decided to pursue a doctoral degree at Northwestern University in music technology, but with a focus on 3D audio. So I did a lot of work um, more specifically on binaural sound, so uh, reproduction over headphones. That was my, my focus at that time. Um, and then I started working um, in the Bay Area while I was a PhD student. Um, so working for a company called um, Audio Simulation. And uh, we did um, a lot of basic research, but also applied research for mission-critical applications. So I worked a lot with uh, different government agencies, the, the Navy, NASA, the Air Force, the Army, and developing 3D sound solutions or, or doing 3D sound research for what was called mission-critical applications. And it really wasn't until I got to NYU in 2006 that my focus and my, my I shifted to more entertainment and music applications. So I've been at NYU since 2006 in the music technology program, um, doing a lot of research in what is now called more generally immersive audio, 
and uh, still with a big, big focus on binaural sound, but uh, but but a lot of also multi, multi, multi-channel uh, reproduction. And I work with students, and I work with really smart students, and that's really exciting to me because uh, we work on you know, various projects. The program is fairly large; it has uh, about 250 students. Um, a lot of those are graduate students. So I work on, on research projects that span from basic research of how we hear sounds in, in the three-dimensional space to uh, developing technologies and methods um, of reproducing these sounds and also applying a spatial and immersive sound to uh, whether it's installations or music reproduction um, or now, of course, in virtual and augmented reality. So immersive audio, I think a lot of people think uh, when they hear that term, they think it's like, you know, surround extended or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People don't realize what that term really encompasses. I mean, so what is that, I mean, from your background, that might mean a whole different thing than some of the guys at Dolby, for example. Yeah. So, um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about that? Or? Yeah, I mean, immersive sound can be a loaded term. It means many yeah. things to, 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 to different people. Right. Um, whether you're uh, reproducing sound in cinema or, or music or, you know, we're talking about virtual reality or gaming, immersive sound can have a different meaning. But um, generally speaking, it's the, the ability to create a sense of somebody being in a, in a place that they're, that they're not or somebody being in a place that augments what they're already hearing in the, in the center. And there are many different methods of both capturing immersive sound and reproducing immersive sound. And so the application itself becomes very important because how you think about creating the sense of immersion when you're sitting in a cinema, in a, in a movie theater, is going to be very different than when you're trying to create the sense of immersion of somebody who is sitting in their car and listening to music, mm -hmm. or a person who is playing a video game and now you're talking, now it's an interactive uh, system where you have to track the person, and you have to track the relationship right. yeah, between yeah, all these objects. Yeah. And you know, luckily we're in a time right now where there is a lot of technology that allows us to do this. You know, we're, We've come to a point where we can do a lot of very cool things and not have to worry about the speed of computation or the kind of tracking technology that we really didn't have access to even five years ago. Yeah. So you're, you've come a long way from binaural to, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, and we keep going. But that was know? always the goal. Immersive was truly always the goal. I love binaural. And when I was, uh, when I was you know, recording, I used to use a lot of stereo mics because I just loved the whole, all the techniques involved with, with capturing it was music, capturing capturing music, live performances with binaural microphone techniques. Um, so I love how it's evolved, and and I, and I hope the microphone technology in the future can can get better. Um, yeah, and, and, and it, it will with the, with with the help of AES and absolutely. a lot of the research that that's that's you know out there. Microphones are getting better. They're getting. Uh, smaller and cheaper, better quality, yeah. and we're now able to integrate sensors. And and and, and you know, microphones. We can think of it as a as a sensor. We can integrate these transducers, whether they're microphones or or speakers, into so many things that we couldn't before because 
just the sheer cost of them has come down. doesn't mean that they're all very good quality, but we can do some things such as putting sensors in cities and microphones around cities and capture the sound all the time, uh, whether it's for security or for just to gain knowledge about traffic patterns and about noise patterns. We can track bird migrations because we can equip very, very large areas now with microphones wow. so that we can track the migration pattern of uh, different populations of, of birds and different animals. So it's a, it's a really exciting time to be in audio. Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that there's a, a microphones all over New York City, which we're in right now. Um, can you expand a little bit more on that and uh, the reason that they're there and, and where they are? Uh, a little bit. Sure. So um, this is one of the research projects that, that is currently going on at NYU, although it's not a unique project because I know that there are a lot of cities around the world who are looking into, into this. Uh, but the, the basic principle of the project stemmed from several years ago, our former mayor of New York City uh, thought that it was that, that noise pollution is becoming a real problem. New York City is a loud city. If oh, you yeah. step outside, it, it gets really loud. And um, a lot of people spend many hours, whether they're in subways or they're outside, being around very noisy environments. And this is uh, having a, a negative impact on, on people. And there, there has been a lot of research done in how noise, uh, long periods of loud noises can impact health, can impact children's ability to learn, education, right. and so on. So the, the city started to think about this. Like, what can we do to lower than the amount of noise in the city. Well, the first thing that we need to do is figure out like what is the problem. Let's quantify it. Identify the noise. Identify the noise, where it's happening, when it's happening, what kind of noise it is, so that we can then find solutions like to... Like the kick drum. Uh, like the kick like drum the we're hearing right now. I, I identified that exactly. really quickly. <laughs> That's a difficult one to, to get rid of. So, um, so uh, NYU started becoming part of this project. Um, it's an NSF-funded grant uh, called Sonic, uh, Sounds of New York City, where uh, we uh, equipped uh, areas in, in New York City, in Brooklyn, in Manhattan, around NYU, around um, Washington Square Park and, and the Village and up and down Fifth Avenue with uh, sensors containing microphones that capture sound and a lot of these sensors analyze the sound on the node and stream back features um, so that you can identify whether it's a jackhammer, whether it's construction site, whether it's you know people talking. And this is done 24 hours a day. So now we have literally over 50 years of data of audio oh, wow. compiled together that, uh, that we have to analyze. So we're um, getting to the point where we can extract very interesting information. And this research is going to be ongoing. Uh, right now, uh, extending it to look at uh, also possibly some spatial components to this to identify um, where the sounds are coming from. So it's, uh, it's a really exciting time to be doing this. Uh, since you have so much data, has the city of New York done anything to uh, reduce the sound? So right now we're at the point where we're learning about what the sounds are, what the problems are, okay. and where the problem areas are. Uh, but the, the idea is that in the very near future we'll be able to uh, work with the city to put some legislation in, uh, in motion to uh, monitor the noise better, but also, like for example, if there are areas that are becoming too noisy, mm -hmm. to make people, whether it's bars or uh, people who are in that area, to make them reduce the noise. Car horns. That's uh, a, you don't need to, you don't you don't need a microphone for that. It's no, a, you right. don't. And I'm sure you've seen yeah. that there are all these signs around the city. Do not honk your horn. Yeah, but yeah. nobody listens. Two mornings in a row at our hotel at exactly 6 a.m. There were there was a sounded like a train horn about six or seven times. 
Um, yeah, it must be delivery truck. Yeah, it must have been some someone was angry at somebody trying, trying to get the door open. <laughs> and delivery we, uh, door. yeah, so uh, woke up an entire building basically because yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. so. Well, trucks and garbage trucks especially are a big problem, yeah. and, and they tend to operate very early in the morning or very late at night. Yeah, I, I would imagine those are yeah. some big things. So. So that's great. Are you are you working with your students on uh, this project at NYU, or is uh, another department? Or so yeah. So this is within our um, within our program in music technology. Um, it's headed by uh, the principal investigators, uh, Professor Juan Bayo, and so he's working with a large team of students. Students are absolutely at the core of everything that we do. So students are involved in everything. Uh, talk about the program that you have at NYU and, and what you teach specifically. Sure. So uh, I am in the program of music technology, which is in the School of Steinhardt at NYU. And the music technology program is within the Department of Music and Performing Arts Professions. And I'm actually the vice chair of the Department of Music and Performing Arts Professions as well, which means I get to work with not just specifically music technology, but oversee the, the other programs such as music business, uh, performance programs, jazz composition, you know, the uh, music therapy, uh, ed educational theater, many, many programs. Um, and so the Department of Music and Performing Arts Professions is large. It's about 1,600 majors. Uh, within that, the Music Technology Program has around 250 students, uh, undergraduate, master's, and, and PhD. And uh, the way we think, again, music technology can mean many things to many people. Mm -hmm. And um, so the way we think of music technology is in a, is in a pretty broad sense. And uh, there are five areas that the music technology program covers. Um, there's a big area, a lot of students are focused on audio engineering. So the traditional audio engineering, sound recording, production, post-production, uh, live sound, mixing, mastering, and all that good stuff. So that's one area. Another area is, is immersive sound. And this is the area that I do a lot of work in. So I work with students who are interested to both create immersive uh, experiences and um, also analyze of, like how, how do you create an immersive yeah. sound. Um, so immersive sound is, is another one. Another very big one is electronic music, both from the, the perspective of electronic music composition, but also electronic music of how to create electronic music uh, controllers, um, how to interact so that composers and artists can can better express themselves. Right. Um, another area is music informatics, or more generally speaking, audio informatics, learning uh, features and uh, understanding what makes one song sound like another song so that we can better uh, kind of traverse through you know all this music, all this beautiful and wonderful music that is coming out so that we can allow people to more easily and better find uh, the music that they like to, to listen. But going beyond just music, just sounds in general. So the, the way that we're able to identify a car horn on the street is because now we have an idea of what a car horn sounds like and we're able to identify what makes one car horn sound like another car horn. And, and music cognition is another big area of, um, uh, of study in our, in our program. So looking at how we don't just hear music, but how we perceive it, or how, how how do we understand how why is it that music makes us feel a certain way? So those are the areas that that we cover in music technology program. And um, so I've been specifically focused on the immersive sound track, so to speak. And so I teach courses in 3D audio uh, and courses that are related to uh, to to immersive audio. I run a very large interest group for students, which is not part of the curriculum. It doesn't really count for anything for the students. It's just students who come together, and I and I come together with them, 
and we meet and we just discuss things that are related to immersive sound. And every semester, every year, students are working on all these projects that uh, you know, some, sometimes they spend more time on the immersive sound interest group than they do on their homework, and I say, it's not a good idea, uh, because they're just so passionate about it. Sure. And more than anything, this is why I just absolutely love being in education, is working with students who are genuinely passionate about what they do. Yeah. And they're there because that's what they want to do 23 hours a day. So a student who's interested in immersive audio, what, I mean, you're, you're, I'm sure you're calling from a bunch of different backgrounds, the students you're I have with various experiences, what do you find? Do you find any common link between someone who wants to study immersive audio versus you know traditional recording technology? Yeah. So you know, it, it, since I've been at NYU for the past say 13 years, I've seen a big shift in um, the level of entry of students coming into mm-hmm. into college. So it used to be that you know students had they were they're all musicians, so they all know how to play an instrument. Right. But many years ago they had maybe a little bit of experience uh, doing whether it's sound recording or electronic music because the technology just wasn't there. It wasn't available and accessible as it is today. It's affordable now. It's affordable and you find kids who are in elementary schools and certainly middle schools and absolutely high schools who have now access to this technology and they start making music at a very young age. In fact, here at AES, we, uh, today we have literally hundreds and hundreds of high school students who came to because they're interested in audio engineering. So at that age, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old, they're already, they know that they want to do this. Yeah. So once they get to college, they're already at a point where they have a lot of experience. But, you know, it's with the things that they have access to. They come to college and... Uh, the world opens up. The world opens up and they come to conventions such as the AES convention. They they hear from their professors who are now involved in so many different things and their world opens up and it's only then they start to realize what the possibilities are. They didn't know that music informatics was a thing. They didn't know that immersive sound or how, how to create sound for VR, that was a thing. Now the world starts to open up, and I love that. I love to see their faces just light up. What? You can do this? This is amazing. And so, you know, the the first period of time in college is always a bit of an exploratory phase. And before you you start to realize what you you really like to do, and also, importantly, what you don't want to do, which is, I think, just as important to know what you want to do from what you don't want to do. And... um, so I think that, and then you start to see these uh, emerging passions of students. And I, I can't say that, you know, there's a certain type of student who is more into recording than immersive sound. It's very much in our industry, as you know, it's, you got to evolve. You do. If you are in the audio industry, I guarantee you that in 20 years, you're not going to be doing the same thing as you're doing today. I, right. I can attest to that. Yeah, uh, so can I. I, yeah. I you know, I, I came into the music industry thinking I was going to be a performer, realized I was not a good performer, uh, went into audio engineering, worked on one major project, and that was it for me. And now I do marketing for, for audio projects, um, for audio products. And I... It gives me the knowledge, uh, my audio engineering background gives me the knowledge to be able to talk about these products in, a, in, in an educated way, not just saying buy it because it's pretty, uh, but I can get into some of the features and, and benefits of the product um, for different applications as well. Um, and so it changes, you know. Um, I, always, I always saw myself as maybe more of a behind the scenes type of person. And um, 
when I was in school, that opened the door for me. So it seems like uh, it's the same for you. you your, your students know that they want to work with sound, um, and then you, you give them all of these opportunities that are available, uh, which, is, which is incredible for the future. And, and uh, we spoke with someone on another episode. Um, there's a high school that teaches uh, all of this from ninth to 12th grade. They have a great track in New Jersey here. Um, it's a public high school, which is incredible that they teach audio engineering and sound and to audio these students. IP to yeah, audio over IP. Yeah, audio over IP. Yeah, and then I imagine these students, when they come to you, these are the ones that they're ready to go. And then you open you open their eyes even more than it already is. So um, just just since when I was in school, you know, 10, 12 years ago, things have changed quite a bit. And, and there's a lot more opportunity for education, I think. No, absolutely, absolutely. And, and having that more accessible level of entry right. for technology and for yeah. audio makes a huge difference. Um, and so when you know, students go to college, we have to, as educators, it's also a challenge because we have to prepare them for a career in audio. Right. Not a career that's going to be two years or four years after college, for a career that's going to last them for decades. Right. And so you know, we, I think about this a lot. I, we want to make sure that they are prepared to, yes, right out of college, find, their, find a job, find their next, next step, but at the same time, they, we have to teach them how to evolve and how to grow in the audio industry so that they, they are uh, ex- excellent when they come out, but they stay excellent yeah. and they're able to learn as the audio industry is, is evolving. They, they can't stop learning. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's really what's most important is when you get out of college, um, you know, I think it's, um, there's a big ego there because you just graduated, you have this degree and you have all of this knowledge. But then you, when you start your career, you realize that you need a lot more knowledge to get to get farther down the road. And that's something that I, I struggled with personally when I got out of school. Um, but then when you when you when you take a step back and you look, there's a lot more opportunity out there. Um, if you think in your head, I'm going to be an audio engineer, I'm going to master mix and master these records. Um, if you, if you think that, um, hopefully you have enough talent for that and opportunity um, because the opportunities don't come to everyone um, and the talent has to be there as well, not just the desire. Uh, if we all got what we desired for our careers, you know, there'd be a, you know, a lot less people picking up trash and making the trash truck noises, Absolute, I would imagine. Absolutely. And, you know, for the, the world of audio has, has boomed. It in has. The past, in the past 10 years, in the past 15 years, it really has expanded like I never thought it would because it, the, the definition of audio used to be quite limited. It was, uh, you know, there was recording, there was broadcast, there was maybe electronic music, um, live sound, uh, but now audio is everywhere. Yeah. It is absolutely everywhere and um, there are companies who are, who we don't even think that they're, the tr- that they don't fit the traditional form of what we consider the audio industry, right. but when you look at, at Amazon and you look at Google and you look at Apple, you know, all of those companies, Microsoft, they're all investing an enormous amount of resources yes. in their audio teams, yeah, and that's very yeah. exciting. So yeah. now the definition, the sheer definition of audio engineering has evolved has. and continues to evolve. And, and the medium from which you can uh, receive has evolved as well. Um, you know, you uh, you can get the smart speakers now that have immersive audio built into them, which which is incredible and attainable. You know, not everybody can build out uh, a, an immersive room in their home to listen to to speakers and or to listen to immersive audio. Uh, so just uh, the way that it's recorded is, is is changing, and the way that it's listened to is changing. And it's great to hear that um, music, traditional music. Um, 
certain companies are going to start uh, re-releasing their music in immersive, uh, which is just incredible. Um, I, I, we had the opportunity uh, on one of our previous episodes to visit uh, an Atmos room in Los Angeles, and we were listening to some, um, some EDM tracks that were mastered in Atmos, which just sounded fantastic. It's, it, it, it's more of an... Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. It was. You could feel it more than you can hear it. If that makes any more any sense. Uh, and and that's that seems fairly new. You know. Um, it is, and it's also a very exciting thing for the artists. Yeah. Because you know, it's it's yeah. not just about the people oh, yeah. who are who are receiving it, who are listening to it, who are experiencing it. It is very exciting for the artists, for the audio engineers, because it now gives you a platform to go beyond what you were able to do before, knowing that that people will actually be be listening to it. Right. And as has been done in, in history, throughout the history of music, technologies impact not just how art is made, but what kind of art is made, yeah, absolutely. right? Yeah. Just like you know, but when Beethoven decided to have a bigger piano and a more powerful piano and with a faster action, that changed what kind of music he was able to compose. Yeah. So I, I, and that was that was technology. It was a different kind of technology. That was a piano. It was a mechanical technology. Now we're dealing with a different kind of technology, which I am sure will have a significant impact on the type of music that yeah. we are able to make. I agree. Yeah. The, the creative aspects have just uh, opened up. There, there's so much room for creativity in, in music and all of audio um, in the future, which which is great for all of us. And, and I, I'm excited for the future generations as well, for what they're uh, going to be able to create and what they're going to be able to hear. Uh, even uh, new things than older things that are made to sound new through the immersive technologies, which, which is just, uh, I'm excited for the future. Uh, Me too. That might be a good, uh, a good, a good segue into what you're doing at, at AES. Um, uh, you are the current president-elect. Uh, your term starts in January, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Cool. Uh, what is, um, how, how does uh, your work at NYU tie in with, uh, with AES and, and what AES is doing um, uh, in the future? So I've been a member of AES for decades. I became a member um, when I was uh, in, in college. And I, but I really started to get involved with the AES organization uh, more under the hood when I started working at NYU. And I, was, I started working as one of the uh, paper co-chairs for one of the conventions here in New York in 2007. That's how I got uh, into, into the, the society from a different perspective. Yeah. And so in one form or, or another, I've been uh, either involved in co conventions or on the board uh, for, since I've been at NYU into, since 2006. And um, I've learned a lot about the society, and the more I learned about the society, the more excited I, I became to know that this is a community. AES is about people. It's about the community that comes around a topic that everybody is passionate about, which is audio. And it's an, an incredible way to meet people who are like-minded. It's, it's a great way to network. And more importantly, it's also a great way to, to learn. It's really all, as we were talking yeah. about, it's about education and we have to keep learning. And so I always tell everybody here, we're all students in, at the AES convention. It doesn't matter if you're 16 years old or if you're 96 years old. We're all students and we come here to learn and evolve and see what exciting things are coming out, what exciting um, products are coming out and, and the kind of research that is go going on. So um, I was on the board of governors uh, several years ago. I became a governor again a couple of years ago. And uh, then I was elected to be president uh, starting in 2020. 
and so I get to work with really smart people and yeah, that's great. <laughs> and and people who look at the audio engineering society from from many different perspectives you know it's a even though the AES is a the headquarters are in New York City but it's a global organization so it's a global society oh. and there are sections all over the world except for Antarctica I believe that's the only continent uh, we do funny. not have a section right um, I'll start but, one I'll move there I'll move, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll, I was just going to say the same thing let's go I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I got a nice jacket. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's, so it's a society that has uh, both student members and professional members really all over the world. And, uh, and it's a great way to, to bring people together. Sure. Um, you touched on the point that it's a global organization. And um, the current president, um, we, we spoke to her already, uh, so that'll be on a, a previous episode. Um, but she's based in Austria. So uh, one of the things that she mentioned is that she thought it would be a problem that she was based in Austria, but she said it was absolutely not a problem. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a glo global organization. So uh, that really drove that point home, I think, uh, that... You know, even the AES president wasn't based in the U.S. for the last uh, nine months. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there are there are sections uh, that meet very regularly all over the world. Yeah. There are events all over the world that happen. There are conventions. There's always a convention in North America, and there's always a convention in Europe in in the spring. So it's uh, you know there there's really a lot going on with the AES. Since you became a member of the AES, how has the organization changed? Um, not from not from a, uh, a behind the scenes aspect, but but the membership. What it what it, it, it seems to me, um, and I've mentioned this before, that the membership looks a lot younger to me this year, which which is great. There's a lot of students that are here, um, and it and that's very refreshing because that's new energy that's in the room. And and I think for something like AES to survive beyond the 70 years that it's been here, it needs that young energy. And and I think that's probably what's made it thrive. This, uh, for, for as long as it has. Absolutely. No, every year uh, when the North American Convention happens and the European Convention, we see more and more students come and they bring a lot of energy and they have a lot of great ideas. And they are a force that's really the foundation of the society, the foundation and, and, and the future of the society as well. We always tell them that you're the future leaders of not just the audio engineering society, but, but the audio industry because they're the ones who are going to be going yeah. to the companies and starting their own companies and developing the products and applying technologies in what they think should be the future direction. So absolutely, there's more and more uh, of a young generation coming into the society, which which is great. And this is, you know, during my year as president, I, I will be very much focusing on building membership, building membership both in size and in strength. And I firmly believe that uh, you know, young people, students, are the future that we absolutely have to focus on. It doesn't mean that we have to forget everything else. I, you know, the members who have been part of the Audio Engineering Society are extremely important. Um, but I realize that everybody becomes a member, stays a member for a different reason. When you're young, you join the AES to explore what are the possibilities? Like, what is yeah. the audio industry like? What is the audio world like? And you find out all these, you know, amazing things that are happening in all these different um, different areas. And then you start to learn, and you start to grow. You start to develop an expertise, and you start to, to deepen your your knowledge and expertise. When you're coming out of college or early career, you're networking. You know, you're meeting people. You're finding your employer, or you're connecting with people that you want to start something with. Then, as you move later on in your mid-career, you, you need to stay relevant and you need to keep educating yourself and keep evolving. 
until you know later when you're ready to to become a mentor. And mentorship is a really important part of the society, and we have so many incredible experts and mentors who mentor both mid-career people and, and students, and uh, this makes that full circle complete. Uh, it seems like your journey has, you just described a lot of your journey, because you started, um, you said, a, a, a while ago, and now coming full circle for yourself, you're going to be the incoming president, so uh, it seems like you're the success story of yeah, me. Yeah, that's... Congratulations! That's really. I mean, yeah. Thank you. I, you know, it just kind of happened. Uh, <laughs> and when you were younger, did you did you imagine that someday you would be sitting here, uh, just months away from being the president of AES? No, no. And in fact, I remember the first convention I ever went to many, many years ago was in New York City, mm -hmm. and I came here and I was just so overwhelmed with the amount of companies that were here, yeah. all these products that I had been using. And, and bowing down to for years, and they were, everybody was here. And the people who are working on these, on these products are here, and the people who are recording the music, and people who I've only you know, read on or sure. seen at the, at the Grammys, yeah. they're, they're here. Yeah, they're here. a couple just walked by. And they said hi to me. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. <laughs> and then that hasn't really changed. Uh, as we're recording this, I saw a couple of those very uh, yeah, well try, known. Trying to make us laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people. You, <laughs> you didn't see him. Sorry uh, if we were distracted. There were a couple people trying to distract us, yeah. I think. But yeah. of course, uh, prominent members of the society. <laughs> and, and just one other thing I'd like to add in, in the, to your question of how the society has changed. I think that we're becoming, uh, you know, there's a lot of emphasis right now focused on diversity yes. and realizing that uh, that uh, we are a society that represents all members, yeah. and that means all nations. It means people who are from different backgrounds, who focus on different genres of music, which is an important uh, part of diversity that, that we are focusing on. As you probably saw, Grandmaster Flash was the keynote speaker yesterday. Yep. And that is the kind of direction that the society is going in. Yeah, I mean, good. certainly focusing on, on you know, gender diversity, you know, but really all diversity is very important. Yeah, yeah. we noticed that. We mentioned that. And he, he was a pioneer. Podcast. Oh, sorry. No, that, that it uh, it's, feels a lot more diverse, the, the crowd, the community. It, it, uh, it, it, it does. Now, it, than it used to 20, definitely 20 years ago when I started e even just, to these. Even just from a few years ago, it, it seems the diversity has changed quite a bit. And uh, and you were talking about Grandmaster Flash. And yeah, he was uh, he was a pioneer in what he did. And then still is relevant today, which, you know, again, that's he never stopped learning. And that's really the key to it. Once you stop learning, you're done, mm -hmm. uh, pretty much. You know, you know, Or you're going to only do that one thing. You're not going to advance your career. And you might become irrelevant if you don't keep learning because technology is going to move. Audio is going to move. Uh, and if you don't move with it, you're, you're going to be stuck where you are. Yeah, well, by default, you're going to be going backwards because right. everybody else is moving forward. Right, if right. you stay where you are, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going exactly. backwards in right. the relationship. And so, you know, the, this convention um, with, so I, I, I co-chair of this convention with Jonathan Weiner and with Valerie Tyler, you know, one of the things that we focused on is introducing new tracks to the technical program, yeah. such as EDM, um, R&B and hip-hop, um, electronic uh, instrumental design. Yeah. So all of those things are really a movement forward to extend uh, the, the genres of music that we're representing um, at the convention. Yeah, I noticed that myself. The, the EDM stage is here, um, mm -hmm. and that's probably what we were hearing a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, but I, that's new, right? Is that new for that's new for this year? Yeah, yeah, and certainly. I mean, the uh, in, in the technical program as well. There is a, a, a more of a research-focused track 
on EDM because it's you know it's a really serious oh yeah genre of music. It's, it's not going away, and, and they need quality audio for yeah. EDM Absolutely. tracks, just like everybody else does. And then uh, you mentioned like VR and. Um, uh, uh, gaming and everybody, everybody is hungry for audio. Um, better audio, yeah. Better audio, yeah. People are absolutely, yeah. People so, are yeah, so in the, right now we have uh, two tracks, and some of them have uh, parallel sessions in in VR and AR, XR in general, and uh, and game audio and immersive sound. So we have the sessions for four days, sometimes two and three running at the same time downstairs. Oh, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. What can we look forward to for AES Europe? Do you know yet? Do you have any? I mean, so this is a way. The next session is uh, is in Vienna, yeah. and um, it's going to be in May. And I invite everybody to come. It's going to yeah. be a, a really great convention. Um, and I am not on the on the committee, so I don't know specifically okay. what kind okay. of sessions are going to be presented there. But I suspect it's going to be you know a lot of a lot of for sure immersive sound. Um, Continuing the type of tracks that we started here and, and EDM, uh, certainly the more traditional recording, live sound production, post production is going to be represented there. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Good, good. Well, this has been a great show, um, and this might be a great place to wrap up. If, is there anything that we've we've missed with you? Anything else you'd like to cover? I think we covered a lot. We did. Yeah, we did. Thank you. No, this yeah. is but I, I, again every one of these episodes. I feel like we can talk all day because this is extremely interesting. Uh, and you have a lot of uh, great knowledge to share with us and our listeners. Um, so this has been incredibly interesting from our end. So we we appreciate your time here today, uh, and we look forward uh, to your to your uh, year as the president here. So congratulations. Thank you very much. I look forward to it too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Focus Right Pro podcast. This mostly bi-monthly show is produced and hosted by me, Dan Hubley, for Focus Right. Music is by Merlin. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our conversation on social media at Focus Right Pro. For more information, please visit our website at www.pro.focusright.com.